Let's go and uh, hop into God's Word here in Exodus chapter 4, continuing on with, in a sense, part 2. Exodus chapter 4. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. And so Moses put his hand inside his cloak and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. And so Moses put his hand back into the cloak. And when he had took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it onto the dry ground. And the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. And Moses said to the Lord, O Lord... I've never been eloquent, neither in past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth, who makes him deaf or mute, who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will help you to speak and to teach you what you are to say. Uh. Uh, you know what? I can't do this. I, I don't. I don't have what I need to do the sermon this morning. I'm not able to speak that great about this. I tried. I was up late. I was up late last night. I didn't. Couldn't even come up with an introduction. I just don't have the strength to preach i'm not enough so i guess that's it uh, one one thing though just just a little thing um how many have ever felt like that all right might have felt like I'm not talented enough. I, I, I'm not good enough. I, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not special enough. I'm not enough. I don't got enough to do it. Well, as we look at this morning, part two, we think about what took place last week with Moses. He basically said, uh, to God, I am not enough. I, who I am is not enough. But this morning, as we look at chapter 4 of Exodus, last week was chapter 3. As we look at chapter 4, we'll see Moses is coming off, not saying that anymore. Instead, now he's just saying, what I can do is not enough. It's not about who he is, but it's about what he can do. Then what I can do is not enough. But God answers the same way he answered last week. It doesn't matter. 
because God is enough. It doesn't matter that you're not smart or strong or talented or all the rest of the stuff enough. God is enough. And when it comes down to it, you can make a difference. Just like Moses was able to make a difference, you can make a difference because your potential is based on His power. Not about you. Not about me. You can make a difference because your potential is based on His power. Let's pray. Father, we are coming before you in your power, and we're asking that you would work among us, that you would, in your power, anoint me to speak your words. But I believe and trust that your power is able to work beyond any words that I say and go right to our very hearts this morning and speak. Speak, for we are listening. We recognize in what areas and what ways we are not enough. But, Lord, help us to see and to recognize that you are enough. It is your power in us. We pray, Lord, that as we hear you this morning, we would not be like the man who looks at his face in the mirror in James and sees all that he needs to do and all that needs to change and yet just walks away, but we would become doers of the word this morning. And we commit ourselves to you in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You can make a difference. You have uh, your sermon notes. Each of these points are not on there. Uh, just giving you a blank because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be uh, talking about today. And so I'll leave that up to you, what you want to put on there. But let's first of all recognize His power equips us with the resources we need. That's why we can make a difference, because His power equips us with the resources that we need. Look at Exodus chapter 4 again. Look at verse 1. And Moses comes, What if they do not believe me or listen to me or say, and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Moses is coming right back to this excuse again. I, 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 I don't have enough to be able to handle this job that you're giving me. Well, what, if I can, what if all that I can do, God, is not enough to pull this off? They're not going to believe me. They're not going to work out. I'm not able. I can't do what you're asking me to do. I just don't have what it takes. I'm not equipped for this. And what does God say in verse 2? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff and throw it on the ground. And we know as we just read this that it turns into a snake and he grabs it and turns into a snake. And then God says, okay, put your hand in your cloak and it turns leprous and then it's not leprous. And then there's the whole uh, turning the water in the, into blood and all that kind of stuff. God gives in each of these things. And, and God, in a sense, is saying to Moses, you are right. What you can do is not enough, but I will equip you to make a difference. I will give you what you need to just get her done. Ultimately, it's not about Moses having enough in himself to pull it off. God says, I am the one who will pull this off, and I will give you the resources that you need to do this. Because ultimately, Moses, it's not about you, it's about me. Look, as we look here in in the verses for and we see verse 5 and the Lord said this said the Lord 
is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Here's an important point in verse 5 there. Moses was so concerned, God, what if they don't believe me? That wasn't the point. That was never the point that the people would believe Moses. The point was, as we read right here in verse 5 in Exodus 4, is that they would believe God. Sometimes we got our, our focus so much on ourselves, even when we're trying to serve God, even when we're trying to do something for God, and how inadequate we are, and how what if somebody doesn't believe us when we come in and, and, and then talk to them about Jesus? It's not about you. It's about Him. He's the one that's got all the resources. He's the one that's enough. It's not about whether they believe you. It's a, and, and, and so don't take it personal. It's about whether they believe God. And God has got this. He will give, he's given to Moses what he needs and the staff and all the other things. His potential was based on the power of God, not about who Moses was or what Moses had. And there are those in the church today that would claim that they really just can't do anything. They don't have what it takes to get her done. Like Moses, there's nothing they can do that, that would be good enough. I mean, yeah, I could do something, but I know it just won't work. It just won't. I, I just don't have enough. I, I, and even some almost saying, like, I got nothing to offer. But according to God, that's not true. For, for us to say that we've got nothing to offer, that we just don't have what it takes. We look at the Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every what? God's called us to make a difference, to do something good. Guess what? He has given us right there everything we need to do every good work. Amen? Yeah, I'm not sure you really believe that. All right? Let you say that. Do we realize this whole excuse that I don't got enough is an insult to God, either saying he has, what God has given us is not enough or he didn't give us anything to begin with. We act like we are worthless, and yet the truth is, what does that say to God? When we act like and we, and we talk about it and we, when we're to do something for him, it's like, oh, I just can't. I'm just a worthless worm. What does that say to God who gave his one and only son for you? He'd be worthless. There's no way. What does it say? God who has put so much in our life. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says that His divine power has given us everything we need for life, for a godly life. All that we need, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for a common good. In other words, that we've been given that spiritual gift. It was talked about a number of weeks ago by Fran and, and how we've been given that spiritual gift to make a difference within the body of Christ. One of the important verses as it deals with these is in 1 Peter chapter 4, 
Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. The point God is saying here, He's the one with the resources that need to be used. If we're going to serve, we do it with the strength He provides. If we're going to speak, it's with the words He provides. It's what He provides for us to do what He's called us to do. And we can make a difference. Not because we are enough, but because He is enough and has given us enough to do just that. So let's just do it. Not just sit there, but stand up, step up, and serve and move into all that God has for us. Let's recognize as well that His power equips us with the abilities that we need. All right, so God tells Moses that all He's going to give him, right? We just hit this. God, here's what I'm, God says, here's what He's going to give you. Moses gives the excuse. God gives the answer. Okay, well, then Moses goes right back at it. Look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, so after, think about it. After he takes a stick, it turns into a snake. He grabs a hold of it, turns back. After his hand becomes leprous, not leprous. After the whole water and blood and all that kind of stuff. After all that, Moses is like, Oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow speech and tongue. I don't talk very good. I, I can't talk like you're supposed to. I'm not good enough speaker. I'm not talented enough. Not gifted enough. And look at God's response in verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you to speak and teach you what to say. I mean, think about God's response. God, Moses is saying, I can't talk good. I can't do this. God turns to him and he's saying, who gave you your mouth? Who, who gave you your mouth? There should be a moment in there that there should be like between Moses and God right there. There should be this word that just comes across in the silence. Awkward, right? It's kind of awkward. I just said, I can't speak. And God said, excuse me, who gave you your mouth to speak? Come on. What are you trying to say, Moses? Huh? Trying to say, I didn't give you a mouth to speak. Are you trying to say, I didn't give you what you need? And so what happens then is God eventually, as we see, as we go towards verse 14, that the Lord's anger burned and says, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. So God basically says, okay, how about your brother Aaron? He's a good speaker. Now, this is right about the time Moses is probably thinking, finally, I wore God down, right? 
okay, okay, if I have to do this, and I can't get out of it, but if I have to do this, now Aaron's going to be the one to speak. I go along, Aaron gets to speak. That's cool. I'm cool with that. You know, Moses is like, this is good. This is good, except he needs to listen to all that God's saying there because what he says in verse 15 you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and i will help both of you to speak and teach you what you should do are you hearing what that's saying is moses is thinking aaron's going to be the one to speak but guess what what does aaron say what moses tells him to say Uh, aaron who is the good speaker has to say what words moses gives him so guess who's still the one speaking Moses, you're not getting out of this. And ultimately, it's not Moses that's speaking. God says, I will help you. I will teach you what to say. In so many ways, it's ridiculous for us to give or for Moses to give that excuse. I don't talk good enough because he, God said, I will literally give you the words to say. It doesn't matter whether you're good at speaking. God is. Your potential is based on His power, not what you can do. He is the one that gives us the ability to make a difference, even in the words that we say. There there are things that that we make out so much harder than they really are in the Christian life, especially as it deals with serving the God of the universe. Who says, I'm going to be right there beside you doing it through you. In such a way that it will make a difference. You will make a difference because of what I'm going to do. It's not about whether you are enough. It's a non-issue. Whether you are a good enough speaker, whether you are enough of anything is a non-issue. Let's just imagine for a moment, if you will, that Moses was, at that time, Moses was the greatest speaker on earth. All right? Just imagine with me, Moses was was an amazing, talented, there was no one better at public speaking than Moses, all right? Which is the opposite of what he's saying, but let's just imagine, he was the best. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders and I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. Think about this. Moses could be the greatest speaker on earth. And what does God say? It doesn't matter what you're going to say. He's not going to let you go. It doesn't matter what words you use. They're not going to change Pharaoh's mind. You could be the greatest speaker in the world. It doesn't matter. It's a non-issue here. God is not concerned with man's definition of success. God is looking for faithfulness. To just obey. To just step up and serve Him. We think about it. Even if Moses had the perfect words, it still wouldn't have changed anything. What changes Pharaoh? What changes the situation? What makes a difference is what God does. 
Moses just had to be faithful in following through. We can make a difference because of God. And one of the first things that we think about when it comes to talking to other people uh, for God is reaching out and sharing and showing the love of Jesus to those who do not know him. Oftentimes, how many have heard or used the excuse, well, I just don't know enough to talk to people about Jesus. I can't speak the right words about it. Do we sound like Moses? Right? We sound like Moses, especially when the reality is, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, if you've truly crossed over that line, then you have everything you need to be the witness, so to speak, of what you yourself have seen and experienced. Don't worry about all the rest of this stuff. And yes, we, you can learn that and understand that. But the one thing you need to know is that you know Jesus Christ. And you're just telling somebody else about the person of Jesus Christ that you know. And how much that he's done for you. There's an opportunity to do this coming up. Obviously, one of those opportunities to do this is inviting somebody to come to uh, the Easter service and be a part of that. In fact, after the whole Easter service, there's a whole series, and the, and the theme of Easter will be set free, about how Jesus sets us free. But there's another opportunity coming up on April 8th. Sunday, April 8th, is Children's Day at the mall. Now, some of you probably may not have known or done that, but for years uh, uh, we've done some things there uh, at the mall for Children's Day at the mall. It takes place from noon to 5 on that Sunday, they're set up before that, but noon to five on that Sunday. And we have two tables there. Two tables that, quote, are our booth among about 50 others that are there at the mall, of which very, very few are churches or have any kind of Christian influence. Pretty much, I, I think uh, Thomas told me maybe two or three, at least in the past. We're going to be there. But we're going to be there. We're going to be there with an opportunity to share the love and definitely to show the love. It, it, you think about it, they're going to be walking around to all these different booths and people are going to be passing stuff out, right? People are going to be passing stuff out to, to take. Guess what we're going to give them? We're going to give them a sports backpack with our logo on it and our name to put all that stuff in there. And in that backpack is already going to be some stuff about the church, the ministries, and about God. Now, who wouldn't want to take one of those nice sports backpacks? People know what I'm talking about? The nylon kind? Come on, yeah, 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 a lot of you. Those who are younger know that, that kind of thing. So you got something to take. Now, obviously, part of the help that we need with this is somebody's got to stuff those uh, 200 backpacks that we're going to have ready to, to hand out uh, to kids who are there with the information, but as well just to be there, you know, to, to not only hand that out, but and, and hopefully we'll have some other things going on. Uh, there might be some kind of, it's science is the theme. There's a little science object lesson kind of thing. Maybe there's a craft. Maybe there's something you can think of that we could do with the kids who are there. But it's an opportunity for us to, whether it's just briefly to talk with somebody and meet them or to actually have them kind of stand around and just be able to talk even further 
not just to show, but to share the love of Jesus. An opportunity to meet with people who will probably never have the opportunity coming through those doors for us to go. So if that's something that you want to be a part of, to take those green sheets and even write that on there. And I know that some of you already filled one out last week. Guess what? You can do it again. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, or you can take a, a, a connection sheet in the back of the pews and just write Children's Day or Children's Day at the mall. I want to be a part of that. As well, you can talk to Tom Mayrant. Tom is... Okay, Tom's in the nursery. See, he's working with children. But there he is. Look, there's Tom. Everybody say hi to Tom. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. All right. That's what you want to talk. Is, uh, he and his wife have been doing this for years, really heading that up. And so we want to join in and be a part of that. It's a great opportunity. You don't have to be there all five hours. We can work this out. Uh, we're here, here and there as it goes on. Now, here's another thing, though. There, there are other opportunities that happen within the church of God to speak, to have that God to give us the ability to say something. And that deals with teaching or training or, or leading groups in some way. And we had, in a sense, talked about last week the whole, you know, can you make physical food? Well, this is about preparing spiritual food. I know that we could use the same excuse, so I don't know about teaching or training in the in the church. I, I'm just, I don't really feel like, and we sound like Moses. I can't do that. And really, it's difficult when we read verses like this in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of the word all over again. Now, somebody say, well, pastor, I don't need to be taught the elementary truths. I don't need to be taught. I got the elementary truths down, pastor. Okay, great. Then guess what? You should be teachers. That's what it says. You should be teachers. Not just disciples, but disciple makers. And it may be that in a number of different ways that that can happen. More... I know we feel like we don't know that much, but do we realize that we, if how many of you have been and, and sat in a, at least church service for at least a year, not this one, but any church service for at least a year of your life? Now, others of you, there won't be, and that's fine. All right, so all of you probably, and it, there may be somebody unusual and break the mold of this, it would be the first time in a lot of years of ministry, but all of you probably know more than you have put into practice and quite possibly ever will. And all of you know more than most of the Christians in many of those countries that, that where the gospel is not prevalent. You would be the most educated scholar in those countries, you who have just come and been a part of church even just for a year. Do we realize that? But even in spite of all that, God gives us the ability. We need to understand that He has given us not to keep it for ourselves. It is not about us. It is about others. That when we stand before Jesus 
And, and it's for some reason, churchianity, traditional churchianity doesn't, doesn't say this, but when we stand before Jesus, we will not be judged as Christians. We all will be judged as Christians, but we will not be judged as Christians based on what we know. We will be based on what we do with what we knew. Are you with me? We will not be ba- judged based on what we knew, how much we learned. We will be based on how much we lived a life like Jesus based on what we heard. So there is a need for those to teach, to train, to equip, to lead others, other believers. That's our basic mission. That is our, our co-mission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, talking in the Great Commission, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are told not just to go to the lost, as you see here, it's not just, it does say go. But it's not just to go and to win those who are lost. It's actually the only verb, so to speak, the only action word there is make disciples. We are to go and make disciples. And let's face it, if we are making disciples, as that says right there, making disciples and teaching them to obey everything he has commanded, this is one of the things he's commanded, which is to make disciples. So in a sense, what God has commanded us to do is to make disciples who make disciples. To not just be a disciple, to not just sit there and not just get uh, more and more, but it needs to go out. We need to get to the point in our Christian life where we're not just being a disciple, we are making disciples of others. That's what he's called us to. Uh, and it's it's about it's about building, building the church, not the church that is that is uh, uh, a building, but building the church that are believers. Colossians chapter one, uh, verse twenty-eight says, "We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ." To this end, I labor, struggling with all my energy, which so powerfully works in me. What Paul worked for, what we should be working for as believers, as a church, is to help to help build up believers that we may present everyone complete in Christ. And more than that, we're called not just to build up, but to equip, to equip the saints, to equip the people of God for ministry. Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you may want to even turn there. If you've not heard this before, Ephesians chapter 4 will not be up on the screen. In verse 11, Ephesians 4. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. We're talking about to prepare or to equip God's people for the works of service. In some of your versions, it says to for ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we're no longer 
be infants, no longer tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and every craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows. And the whole body is us, whole body growing and supporting one another, building itself up in love as each part does its work, as each of us do our work to build up to equip and to do that we need to equip so it's it's not just to win it is to build it's not just to build it is to equip and ultimately to multiply and send out those to be disciple makers you know one of the ways that we have to think about what is god asking how does god bring us about is to look at some spiritual growth issues uh, that we should have in our life and you you see many of those listed right up there on the screen before you Salvation, we need to not just have experience salvation, but to understand that, to know about that. Not just Bible knowledge, but memory and healthy relationships, worship, prayer, devotion. So there's 12 essential ingredients, so to speak, in a Christian's life. And when you think about these things, and think about those these essentials that the Bible talks about being presented here and, and uh, here at, uh, at OCCA, when does that happen? Obviously, one of the times it happens is, is on Sunday morning. On Sunday mornings, adult, youth, and, and some children are here. And those kind of things and disciples are built. And, and perhaps maybe even there's a part of equipping that may take place this morning. And, but as well, we have children's church going on, which is where Tom was. Uh, children's church, ages 4 through 2nd grade. But think about everything that we have to do to make disciples. Think about just the, the, these things here. We can't cover everything on Sunday morning. I know some of you may feel like I'm covering a lot on Sunday mornings, but, you know, we can't cover everything. So there are other times. There are other times that we have, like uh, youth group on Wednesdays or small groups. Those are the different opportunities that exist to try to teach, to train, to build up the body of Christ to be who we are called to be as disciples. Now, as we think about this, there's one, there's a couple issues with this. First of all, when you think about the small groups and you think about youth and youth group, probably only 50 plus percent of those who are part of OCCA actually are participating in that. Now, please, I'm not trying to guilt you or say you need to be a part of that. What I'm saying is we're at best, only getting 50% with what we're adding. But here's even the kicker on it, is let's just imagine that you are a part of a, a youth group or a part of a small group, and then you're here on Sundays. At best, at best, you're going to get about two hours a week. If you come every week, you're going to get about two hours of getting into the Word and being trained and being discipled in that kind of way. You're going to get two hours. I, there, I don't think there are too many here who are here 52 Sundays out of the year. Even the pastor's not here 52 Sundays out of the year, right? So let's just say 45 Sundays out of the year. That means we have 90 hours of year trying to become, help you to be built and to become a disciple of Christ. 90 hours out of like 8,000 and some hours in a year. Almost 9,000. 90. That's not enough. That's not enough to do those 12 essentials that, that we had, uh, had talked about. 
When you think about that, um, those growth issues, how is that possible to do all those in just 90 hours a year? There needs to be something more. Oh, by the way, you probably didn't notice when we were showing the different things and what's going on right now, that there is one age group that is actually getting zero extra hours other than what they get right here in the service, and that is third through fifth grade. There's nothing happening for them. We've got youth groups, sixth grade and up. We've got children's church up to second grade, but we got nothing. Now, I know that for many of these kids, they are being discipled at home, and that's where it needs to take place. Faith needs to be at home, and that's where it needs to be learned, and we'll get into that in another message somewhere down the road. But there still should be a responsibility for us as a church. And I'm not talking about us as leaders or the boards. I'm talking about us. We are the church. We're called to what? The Great Commission say, make disciples. So we've got to do a better job. We've got to do something more than what we're doing. And that's why your leaders have gotten together and over many months and prayed and thought about what might be the best plan to make disciples. What we don't want to do is just do church. What we don't want to do is just perpetuate the organization. In fact, most of all, what we don't want to do in building the church is, is to be something like, oh, maybe we, we did long ago, that never made disciples. But we are to be about building up the church and making disciples. In fact, that is the second part of our uh, mission statement. It's about building the kingdom of which we are all a part of. And so I'm excited to be able to announce to you, here's what's going to happen. Here's, here's the opportunity for us to do what God has called us to do in making disciples. And it's going to be something that's going to be starting on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. called Kingdom Builders. Because that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to produce. That's what we want to see is for us to become kingdom builders. The goal will be training and equipping time that will transform us into God's kingdom builders that will go and change our world. We need to be a mighty army that God has called us to be, that the world needs us to be. The world needs us to be out there marching forth and building up the kingdom of God. But we're not always there right where we need to be. And to do that, we, we need to build one another up. We need to equip ourselves to be able to do that. Hopefully this kingdom builders will start sometime after Easter. Part of that exact date actually depends on us on how many are stepping up to serve and help in this area uh, to make a difference at all ages of disciples uh, as part of the Great Commission mandate. We want to make a difference. And that part of that difference is stepping up and teaching or training or leading a class. This will look slightly different than what we've done in the past. It will be dramatically different than a traditional Sunday school that too often taught a lot of head knowledge but never changed hearts. Our goal will not be to inform but to transform. Let me just lay out what this is going to look like. And normally this would be about the time to to stop the sermon, or getting close to stopping the sermon. But I want to make sure that you really kind of see it, and I'll put it up on the screen graphically to give us an idea of what will be taking place. Uh, and, and the first thing, as, as we think about this, is uh, enlisted training class, so to speak, for ages 4 through 2nd grade, enlisted training for 3rd through 5th grade, enlisted training for 6th through 12th graders. 
Those will be taking place here on Sunday morning. Now, what that means is we need two trainers in each of those classes, two trainers, two leaders, two teachers, uh, as we may be able to see that. We're going to need two in each. One of the reasons we need two is because of the safe place policy, needing two in classes of those under 18. Then, it's not just those. Then we have uh, the same kind of enlisted discipleship training for adults. But we can't stop there because it's not enough just to keep getting and getting. There needs to be a sense where we have to be doing something with it. We need to be equipped. And so then there will be an equipping class, at least one, and youth and adults together. And we'll need a trainer for that. These are the things that he's had. And and there's even more. The hope, that's the basics. But the hope is that we could have a number of adult classes that would a number of adult training kind of thing for us to be built up as disciples so that we could then become disciple makers, but also to have other equipping groups that we would be learning how to do, how to help, how to be involved, maybe even in a combat kind of training kind of way of how to witness how to do spiritual warfare. And we know it exists, we've gone through it, but we really don't know how and what we're supposed to be doing in this way. So these are some of the things that would be going on. How do we do this? How can we bring, how, how can this happen? Well, first of all, number one, what's the message about? Our potential is based on what? God. God's power. So first of all, it's really not about us. It's about what God wants to do in us. We know he's called us to make disciples. We know that there is more that we need to do as a church. And so this is God. This is what he wants of us. This is what he's calling us to. And here's us opportunity. We've already had a good response in a number of people who have put things down on Sunday morning. And that, that's where, on the part of your thing that says Sunday morning. And, and being a trainer, being a teacher. And that, we've already had a good response. We already have a number of people who have experience in this area. And, but there are others as well. Those who, as I talked about last week, who say themselves is not enough because they're, they're not young enough. And those who say themselves is not enough because they're not old enough. Specifically, I'm talking to those of you who are teenagers today. You know what? Some of you as teenagers, you've already grown in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are mature as a Christian. Now, obviously, at your age, and let's face it, some teenagers are more mature than Christians that are twice their age. Right? You get an amen about that? I know some of you, that's a little more difficult. But as you think about that, it's not, I said it last week, we don't wait until we're 18 to join the Lord's army. We are already in when we are in Christ. And for some of those who are teenagers, it is time to get off of the the bench and get into the game. It is time to stand up and be who God's already called you to be. He's already given you spiritual gifts. It's not like you are going to get them later on. You've been given spiritual gifts, and it's time to step up. Maybe you never thought as you filled out that form last week that that could even be an option, but if that's something that you're interested in, to take that and to just make another one up. In fact, I'm saying this for everybody. It may be that God is speaking to you about other areas of your life, or there are things last week He did and you decided not to write it in. 
So if you're going to do a second one today, all I'd ask is that where it says your name on that green sheet as you open it up and it says your name, beside your name, put the number two, meaning this is my second one. So that Wendy, when she tries to put it together, will say, oh, I need to look for their other one. And that's good. Uh, some of you took it home and didn't bring it back, so this is really your first one. So as we think about this, in the, it can be a team teaching that takes place in these classes and, and working with and as, as we go through things. Um, there are so many different ways that it, this could be about it and, and go about as the Lord works in us. Um, so allow God. Understand as we're talking about this whole thing with the trainers, the teachers, that uh, there is an approval process, so to speak. There is a sense of, you know, uh, there are certain qualities and qualifications that are needed in a teacher like, you know, Christ. You know, uh, there should be some basic and like uh, certain expectations, like you're going to prepare before the class. And so we have those and we can share those with you. But as well, if you're going to work with those who are younger, they're, you need to go through the safe place checks to work with children and, and youth. Now, I know some of you are saying, I've already tried this. I, I, I tried teaching. I tried leading the group. In fact, I tried with this group of two- and three-year-olds the church had at one time. And it was just an unbelievable, mind-blowing disaster. Well, maybe. And, and, and so you thought, because you tried it before, you just that's not for you. That's not what God wants you to do. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just you're not good at hurting cats. You know, trying to teach a two- and three-year-old class. It's not exactly easy. Maybe God has something else for you in a different way of teaching and in a sense not only in a formal way but in informal ways. Sometimes it's not so much what we can do formally as far as leading or teaching a class, but it is one of those things that informally. And let's face it, sometimes what church's way of doing this is put you in the water and you sink or swim. You don't get support. You don't get training. Well, guess what? We want to do that. And if somehow you're drowning now to say something, raise your hand, talk to the leader that is over you in some way. But even within this Sunday morning kingdom builders that will be taking time to actually have a training time to be able to be equipped to teach, to train, to lead small groups and just give you that opportunity because and, and, I know that there are many of you that God has given that potential. It just needs to be brought out uh, in some way. And it may be something that takes place not just on Sunday morning but Wednesday night and small groups and so many other ways. But you say, well, I, I've, I know I've tried, but I'm not really sure that I still am, that I'm that upfront teacher kind of person. And yet, I'm not really somebody that's going to be in those enlisted kind of things. I've got it. I know I need to do something more. I need to be not being served. I need to serve, like Jesus said. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. So I need to be that person. I need to be the person serving. How can I do that? How you can do that is by coming to one of those classes. Not to get, but to give. Not necessarily to be the main teacher, but to be a teacher there by being beside others that could learn from what you've experienced, from what you've heard God speak and what has happened in your life. By being there to encourage and, and to equip, help equip others that are right there with you and just add your voice to what the, uh, the trainer or the teacher is saying in that class. 
There's all those kinds of opportunities. There are other opportunities that are going to be there too. Recognizing that God's power uh, equips us with the strength we need. Uh, A couple other things are going to happen on Sunday morning when we think about this kingdom builders. Is what needs to take place. Some of you are saying, I'm not teaching, I'm not part of class, but I really need to, I need to, and I want to make a difference. We're going to have during this time from 9 to 10 is an intercessor's ministry. Now, this is not just for some milk toast kind of prayer for Aunt Matilda's hangnail. Oh, please pray for Aunt Matilda. She's been struggling with this hangnail for like three weeks now, and it's really bothering her. Uh, sometimes churches have prayer requests that are about like that. I'm not going to do this. This is a time for those who are serious about prayer, for those who want to be the prayer warriors that will grab a hold of the horns of the altar and pray. This is an opportunity for those who want to learn how to do that to come and just join them. Not a teaching class, but an experiencing, an equipping of praying together and understanding that this is also a time for those of you, God has given you that burden to pray, to come and be here so that others who have needs can come and we can see God work and move in a mighty way as you the intercessors pray for people right here on Sunday morning. That's an opportunity that there is for us to do this. You need to understand, for us to be able to say there's so many different ways. You know, Moses in chapter, at the beginning of chapter 3, when he first started out, he said, Here I am, Lord. How many are willing to say, Here I am, Lord? Here I am. Whatever you need, here I am. And to be able to hear his voice say to you, I just want you to listen for a moment. Think about his voice saying to you, set my children free from dirty diapers. Wait a minute. Did he just say that? Yes. Set my children free from dirty diapers because it may be that that ministry that God's called you to is nursery. Guess what? During that time on Sunday morning, Kingdom Builders, we're going to need nursery. We need nursery now and what goes on. That is a ministry. That's a ministry to those set free to be able to hear and to God to work in their life when they're here. It's a ministry to those who are going to teach on those days. It's also a ministry to those children. Sometimes I think we see that as babysitting. How many of you who have had little ones? Even even as young as, as eight, nine months know that there's something that's connecting as you even sing Jesus loves me to that child. You know there's something going on when they're when they're one and a half and they're doing what they can to kind of go along with you. You can make a difference even in this way. Let's make sure that we do that together. Take on that responsibility and what God's called us to do. I have this chair up here, and I know some of there were some that came to me that were concerned this was the hot seat, that if you fell asleep, you were coming up here. That's not true. Uh, I just want to illustrate something. I can pick up this chair with one finger. It hurts, and I can't hold it for very long, right? Uh, some of you have bigger fingers, but I, I can't. Now, if I use two fingers... I can do that, but it's still not too long. But if I use the whole hand 
I got it. And if I do more than the hand, I use the arm, and the shoulder gets involved, it becomes a whole lot easier, and I could walk around and carry this. Why? Because my finger try, didn't try to do it itself. The finger joined with the other parts of the body to carry the load. And that's what the body of Christ is about. And so as you fill out these talent and ministry surveys, even for the second time, it's okay. As you fill those out, think about which part you are, and we need every part. Again, this is not about trying to get an organization going. I hate doing church, but I love doing what God has called us to do, to go and make disciples, transforming people, to change, transforming even kingdom builders, to change the world. You can make a difference. Uh, You can make a difference because God can do it through you. In fact, that is his plan. There is no plan B. Plan A is you and me together. Your potential is ultimately based on his power. So here's what we're going to do. Just like last week, I want to encourage you. And, and I was encouraged, by the way, so many of you filled those out. So many of you were, were, were faithful before the Lord in that. And, and thank you. But it may be that God's spoken to you about something more or something different or you didn't finish it. And I want to encourage you today the same thing. We're going to just take a few moments. Kevin's going to go ahead and come on up here and play something. And then we'll just give you a few minutes. And then we're going to sing a closing song. And let that be our response. By taking these green sheets and bringing them forward right up here into this wash basket, so to speak. To offer before God ourselves. I want you to think about this. This is a, it's like another offering. This is not like somebody's going to call you next week and not about what am I going to do or I want somebody. This is just saying to God, I am willing. I am faithful. I am ready. Whatever you need. And here are some of those things I believe that I can. But ultimately, potential is based on His power. So today, just communicate, God, you are willing to surrender to Him. Offer yourself to Him. Father, I pray as we just fill out these sheets this morning right here. Continue to fill out those that there are still more can be offered more that we can give to you help us to finish this offering that we began last week so that we may be able to finish the work that you've given to us today